Welcome to Families for Life with Brian and Brian, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we're continuing our discussion on the gospel pandemic, part eight, supervision. Welcome back, everyone. Hey, what's up, Brian? How's it going, man? I'm doing well. Good. Ready for another uh, podcast? Yes, I'm ready. Uh, we're here. We have notes. So I guess we're going to see we'll what happens. See, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, people always say, let's see what happens. I always like to say, let's see what God does. I think that's the right way to think about it. Because sure. I'm trying to Jesus juke you. So. Yes. yes. Okay. All right, Brian, <laughs> you asked me this question last week. Yep. And so I'm going to come back at you and just say, is there a time that you were able to share the gospel or be a part of a, a team that shared the gospel? Something amazing happened. Or maybe it was just a really difficult situation. Give a testimony there. Yeah. So this story actually is is both difficult and amazing. Um, and so um, I'm glad I had some time to think about it. And I remind, was reminded of this time I was in college and I was asked to be a part of a Disciple Now. It's a youth group, Disciple Now. We do it at our church where groups of students get together and then they have, it's a big weekend event. Well, I was a leader for a small group, middle school guys. And in this small group, I'm just, you know, doing my best to share the gospel with them every time we're meeting and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to just pour into these guys. Well, some of these guys, I mean, they, uh, they were rambunctious and like, I'm, I'm with the middle school guys now. These guys were insane. And, uh, one of the dudes like got into a fist fight with the other guys. I mean, they were, they, yeah, it was rough. They broke beds at the host home we were at and I'm sitting there thinking this was, this was just a waste of time. So fast forward a few years, I'm in ministry, I'm associate pastor at a church, and we go to a, a youth camp. And while I'm at this youth camp, I'm in the gaga pit with the kids, you know, hitting the gaga ball around. And uh, and this one leader who is working at the camp hears somebody say, oh yeah, what's up EVD or whatever like that. And he was like, is your name, is your name Brian Van Doren? And I was like, yeah. He was like, dude, you were a leader at my D now, and I was in your group. I was like, what? He was like, yeah, man, like what you taught us, like really stuck with me. Wow. This was years ago. It blew my mind. And he was like, let's get together and talk. So we talked and he told me he he was, he basically like D-Now was one of the times where he knew that he was going to get a meal. Okay. Mm. It was one of those situations. I, I'm pretty sure he was one of the guys that was getting into the fight um, <laughs> who I was just thinking there's no hope, you know? And um, so it's amazing. That was, that stuck with me. That helps me. When I feel like things aren't going right, I just remember like I'm just planting seeds and God can cause growth that I might never see, but he let me see that. God let me see that in a really kind of magical way that just was amazing. Yeah, you never know what influence you're going to have. You never know when the Holy Spirit is going to take something that you say and really drive that into somebody's heart. So, you know, that's just an encouragement that as we share, we may think that we're not doing anything, right? but... You know, like you said, you're planting those seeds. Yeah. So that's so important. So, yeah. So, yeah, so on today's, yeah, no, that was great. On today's episode, the topic we're discussing is supervision. So last week, Jesus sent the disciples out. They come back. They, uh, he spends some time with them. He continues to teach them. He sends out the 70 again later on. There was a continuation of discipleship that's happening. So I like to think about this in the way that, we're just keying in on discipleship, right? You know, part of, part of, uh, making disciples is, uh, you know, sending out, checking in, you know, there's a whole process here. And so, you know, 
we, let's talk about discipleship a little bit. Yeah. So real quick, the thing that you know we're getting at here is there. There's this. You know, you you evangelize, like you said. Jesus sent out the disciples. They share the gospel. Um, but then there's this process that you walk through. You don't just go from hearing the gospel, getting saved, to uh, being sent. Right? You, you, there is a process that you walk through, and so this this idea of discipleship has some really important factors that we need to consider. And the first one, and we talked about this a lot, but it, we're never going to stop talking about this, really, because yeah. so important is the spiritual discipline. Yeah, a few a few episodes back, we talked about sanctification mm-hmm. and about some of this stuff. But you know, I really think that this is so important that you know these are the things that sharpen our faith. Right. And, they're vital. I'll be honest. You know, you think about spiritual disciplines and it just sounds boring. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. it really feels like a lot of work. And and that's because it is. Right. And these are the things, but these are the things, though, that build up our faith. Yes. They're, they're usually pretty ordinary, but God uses them in a great way. I always like to say faith is not built in those moments of, of testing and trying. That's when mm. our faith is, is realized. Yes. But God builds our faith in the times where we're going through every ordi- or everyday ordinary life. That's right. It's just like, you know, and I, <clears throat> we talk about working out a lot and going to, you and I have been going mm-hmm. to the gym uh, recently, the last uh, couple, last year or so, you know, you, you don't just go and test your strength right. all of a sudden. You got to build it up yeah. over time. And it's, and it can be boring. You get into the same exercise, you're doing the same reps, but then one day yeah. you, you try to lift a heavy load and you're able to do it because you've, taking those steps to get there. It'll kind of surprise you too, you know, because you've been walking in this normal rhythm of discipline in your life, both, you know, whether it's this physical thing or spiritually, I mean, it applies to both. And then all of a sudden the, the, the hardship comes and you're like, wow, I handled that better than I thought I would. I didn't know, you know, or you might see how I need to keep, I I need to keep walking in this discipline, you know? So it's very, very important things. And like you said, some of these things are pretty normal. I mean, it's, you know, it's reading God's word. It's studying it, knowing it, hearing it, praying to God, worshiping, serving. I mean, that's a big part of this fasting, you know, really taking our faith seriously by, by living it out in real ways. Right. And the two, the two most important, especially for a new believer or when someone's being discipled is uh, God's word and and prayer. Those are the two ones that are going to make the biggest impact. Not that the other ones aren't really important right? and people don't need, they need to dig into those and we need to look at those. But you know, these to me are, are the most important. Do you yeah. agree with that? Yeah, I think they're like communication, right? I mean, you, you know, you're hearing God's word. He's speaking to you. You're praying to him. You're speaking to him. And I mean, this is the way it is in like a new relationship, right? In a new relationship, uh, you're just wanting to talk all the time. You just constantly wanted to talk. You know, as the relationship goes, you need to keep talking. That's vital. But there's more that gets added on. There's more things that come with, you know, the relationship, especially, you know, marriage, kids, all the details that have to go in place. But talking to the Lord and hearing from the Lord are are vital, and you got to get that right from the get-go. Yeah, so let's talk about God's Word real quick and just, you know, what, sh- what should we be doing as a disciple? What are the important things? Well, number one, we just need to to learn God's Word and, and really learn how to study. Mm-hmm. There's a um, there's the idea of you know reading God's word, but knowing how to study it, knowing you know the how to interpret the word, 
you know, different books are, are read in different ways. It's it's what we call from seminary hermeneutics. Right. That's a big word, but basically it just means how do you how do you interpret, how do you process, how do you think about scripture? That's right. And I always, whenever I'm talking to somebody who is just getting into reading the Bible, I tell them this was monumental when I was studying hermeneutics, the the art and science of interpretation. It's it's knowing, first of all, what type of literature you're, you're reading, because the Bible is a bunch of different types of literature. You got poetry, you got narrative, you got history, you got uh, apocalyptic, you got all of this stuff going on. And if you don't know, it's like if you started watching a movie and you were thinking the movie was, you know, uh, a comedy, but then all of a sudden it's a horror movie. You'd be so surprised. You would not be able to understand what's going on. So you got to know what genre you're reading. To me, that's vital. That's super important to know um, because they're different. And, um, and, and they have slightly different messages that all come together to point us all to Christ. Right. It's all scripture. Um, but, you know, you, you read things, you know, there's instruction. Yeah. There's narrative. You know, Jesus talks in, in parables. A parable is yeah. not to be read or studied like a narrative. That's exactly right. And so there's those differences and you have to learn what those things are. You know, we need to get to the place where we're, we're reading books of the Bible. Yeah. I really love reading yeah. an entire book because you really start to get what the author is kind of driving at and uh, where the, you know, God's, God's able to interact. The Holy Spirit's able to interact with you, with you yeah. in a much deeper way. I, I do think devotions are good. Devotional books, right. Bible study books. Those are all really great, but you know, we need to get to the place where we're reading a book of the Bible, you know, kind of digesting it. And, and if you want to read through, the Bible in a year, that's great. Right. I personally really like reading small sections mm-hmm. or chapters that I have time to process, process. and think about. Yep. For me, it's quality, not quantity. That's right. And I've even, yeah, there's some some students that I know who are reading through books right now. And then once they read, they'll read it, you know, in chunks that they can process. And then once they're done, they actually go and watch like this really helpful uh, YouTube channel called The Bible Project. Mm-hmm. And they'll go and, and watch the overview of that book. And it just kind of solidifies everything that they've been reading. Um, and it's really cool to see how that happens. Uh, that That is a really helpful way to do it. And and also, you know, there's prayer. Like prayer is in one sense really easy, but it can also be really intimidating. And, uh, and, and the way we got to understand it is it's literally just talking to God. Yeah. The biggest thing about prayer is just committing to it. That's right. <laughs> Making it a, a, a daily part of what you do. Um, you know, I, I think that's... That's the hardest part about it. Yep. Just, yeah, committing to it. And so that's really the first and, and you know, the probably the most important aspect of discipleship. If these things are not happening, if you are trying to help somebody in the discipleship process and you are not encouraging these things, that probably needs to change. The next thing, though, is the church. The church is huge in this process. Uh, what do you think about that, Brian? Yeah, you know, we oftentimes don't think about the church as a part of discipleship because we're thinking about our personal, we, we say mm-hmm. the personal relationship with Jesus. Right. However, the that's kind of a misnomer because there's no such thing as a personal relationship with Jesus in the sense of uh, our, our faith is meant to be lived in yeah. community with other believers. Yeah. It is personal, but it doesn't stay personal. Right. Right. It's not that we should, we're on our own separate. I live my faith out. And, and it's just mine. Right. We're actually, 
or actually to be a part of a, it's a communal faith. Mm-hmm. And really there's no proper Christianity without the church. You know, you look at scripture and you see Jesus says, even in his own teaching that he is <clears throat> establishing the church and the church came about is, you know, Right shortly thereafter, Jesus ascended that what we would see as the beginning of the church is forming there. Yeah. And so this is this is a part of Christianity. We must realize we cannot properly live out our faith, live out our Christianity without the church. You agree with that? Yeah, I fully agree with that. And, you know, I know that there are different denominations and there's all this history behind all these things. And, um, you know, those, those are things that are important and we can talk about that. That's great. But the truth still remains that the church is God's people gathered in real places. And so that's what God wants. And we can't ignore that. And there's some really practical things that come from it. First is accountability. You know, when you're in the church, God, God knows that when we're left to ourselves, you know, we're not going to get things done. I know if I don't have somebody pushing me to do what I need to do, uh, you know, I can find reasons to get out of what I'm supposed to do. That's right. You know, you you also have accountability with your, with your beliefs. You know, uh, you think about how many temptations there are to to stray from orthodox, you know, yeah. belief from from biblical belief, and so you can go back to the church and you can say to your Bible study leader or your pastor and say, "Hey, what do you think about this?" You 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 can think about these things and be held accountable in what you're believing. Well, I've had students tell me, "I'm so glad you said that." I've had students tell me, "I'm so glad I get to come to church because sometimes I feel like I'm the only person who believes this stuff." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're alone, you're gonna feel that way. Right. But you're not alone. It's also accountability in our actions and our attitudes. You know, we think about how we how we kind of process life, and so like we're not left to our own devices to face sin and temptation and and you know all of these things we're we're really challenged in our holiness by being around one another you yeah. we got to practice grace and forgiveness in the church that's right yeah and that's really hard to do unless you have some accountability and really that comes from the next practical thing we see is this idea of shepherding that happens in the church you know there's mm-hmm. god has ordained that there be men who are elders who are overseers who are you know there's so you know different ways you can say that word but all is the same thing people shepherding the church, making sure that accountability happens and that we are held accountable, not to just the elders, but to the word of God. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. I've noticed though, that, that some people have a really hard time sitting under uh, pastoral leadership sometimes. Uh, why do you think that is? Well, I, I think there's a few different reasons. The biggest one is they've seen, you know, pastors who have fallen, um, and that's a real deal. But that's why, I mean, I've seen people really harp on the qualifications of elders. The The Bible is clear as to who, like what kind of man is to be an elder. Right. Um, and we've got to follow those qualifications. We cannot have unqualified pastors. And that's one of the reasons why I think there's, people lose yeah, confidence. Yeah, and there's also, I do think it can be a heart issue sometimes as well, mm. as far as someone has pride and they think, well, I know more. I, you know, I like to, you know, the, for instance, let me just give you a, a for instance here. Hopefully I don't step on too many toes. Uh <laughs> Somebody really likes to study prophecy. They're right. really into a certain section of, of prophecy. But the pastor has to shepherd the entire church, right. not just the, the people that like prophecy. Right. And so those people are like, well, my pastor never talks about prophecy, or my right, pastor right, never right. does this or that. It's because he's trying to f- follow God's will for the right. entire church. Yeah. And so 
sitting <laughs> under sitting under pastoral leadership does require humility, especially yep. because there are people that do study right. and that know things, and they do get in really into God's word. So we're not saying like we're the we're the be all end right. all of knowledge and all this stuff, but we are sitting in a God ordained position of authority that is a responsibility. Yeah, we're not lording over people, but right. we do have a responsibility for the souls. The Bible says of the whole. Church. We have a yeah. responsibility of the souls that are under our care. And we take that very seriously. Well, and I would just say to that too, Brian, like, cause, cause you know, for that person who is hearing this here and we're like, oh, well, they don't want to talk about these things. No, no. Like you, you schedule a lunch, schedule a breakfast, schedule a coffee, do get together with us and we will geek out on that stuff with you. We will talk about that stuff. We, we love getting into that. I had a student ask me, he was like, um, can we talk about, you know, uh, the crusades? Can you teach about that during Bible study one time? And I was like, uh, man, I don't know that that's going to be helpful for everybody. Um, but you and I get together and I would love to talk to you about how to think through all of that. That's yeah. super complicated. Um, so, so we need to understand these realities and, and really, uh, you know, and, and this is true of pastors too. Like, like you and I, like we submit ourselves to the authority of the other pastors. You know what I mean? Yes. Like we're being shepherded by each other. Um, the, so this is all happening together in accountability, and that really provides this wonderful thing that everyone in the world is looking for, and that's called community. Yeah, it is amazing that in a world that we are more and more connected, that increasingly people are are more separated. Yeah, you know, we went on a mission trip to Chicago, and the church planter there said, you know, in a city of millions of people, yeah. loneliness is a is huge problem. problem. Yeah, he said people literally walk into his church off the street because they just want a group of people to connect with. Yeah. And so we have something really special. Community is a valuable commodity. We need friends. We need support. And the church gives us that, especially in in the realm of our faith. That's exactly right. And but you know, there's a problem with having a community. It's people. And so people are there. And I'm joking. The church would be great if it wasn't for all the people. <laughs> and so there's people, and that's the next thing about this um, in discipleship. When you are in each other's lives and you are in the discipleship process, it is gonna require tons and tons of patience. Yeah, we put this on the list and you know, I'm trying to think, okay, what does this have to do with discipleship? But anyone that has discipled someone mm-hmm. or been in a you know relationship like that uh, understands what this means, right? Because everybody has to grow in grace in, in their own kind of way. The Bible says to work out your salvation. That doesn't always happen the same way. That's right. I mean, the, the things that I've experienced in the past, I've been in discipleship relationships being discipled. Um, being walked through this process where people were really, really patient and gracious and kind, not, not like letting me get away with things, but they were just like patient with me. Right. But I've been in relationships where that wasn't the case. And it was very, I, I mean, I couldn't stay there because it was unrealistic. Right. Um, and so yeah, I it's remember important to have so, that. something that really marked me as I was like a new believer. I came to church one time and I had, um, unbeknownst to me, I had put my Bible down and I had another book on top of it. Well, somebody walked up to me and said, you don't ever do, don't ever put something on top of the word of God. And I'm like a new believer. I'm like, okay, I didn't know there could have been a much more patient and graceful way Way to handle that. First of all, that's not a thing, right? That's not true. (laughs) That's not true. But second of all, even if they have a firm belief like that, it would have been much better if they would have pulled me aside and said, hey, you know, we need to really treat the word of God with with respect right. and reverence. That would have been a much better way. But that marked that in my memory as a negative experience because I don't want to be like that. Yeah. 
I want to take people with grace and patience. And if we need to press in on something that is a real like issue, like they've committed a sin or something like that, great. We got to right. press in on that in grace and love, right. uh, even in that situation. And there's a biblical way to do this that Jesus marked out. And you see it in Jesus's example. I mean, he was super patient with his disciples. Right. Even, even, I mean, we read those stories and you think to yourself, like, there's no way that he was that patient. Well, he was. Uh, he was constantly reiterating the same things. I mean, I was just thinking about the story, and even in our resource, he brought it up, where Jesus just got done feeding 4,000 people, you know, men, not including the women and children. And then they're on this boat, and Jesus is like, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the disciples are like, oh, no, we didn't bring enough bread, and Jesus is <laughs> mad at us. And it's like... And then Jesus turns to me like, guys, he literally says, guys, don't you remember how I made all of the bread and loaves yeah. for the people? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But he's still so patient with yeah, me. Yeah, we, we've got to, we've got to be patient. You know, we're all headed in the same direction. We're headed towards, we're headed towards Christ. But I will say we don't all get there in the same way or the same time. That's right. You know, your process of sanctification and where you're at, uh, we would have some common things, Absolutely. but the circumstances surrounding that, the right. influences of people and things like that are going to be different. Well, and that goes back. So the spiritual disciplines are always going to be there. You're always going to have the word and prayer and things like that. Those are going to be commonalities in all of this, but you're right. Those other circumstances are going to be different because we are different people in different lives. That's right. And we also have to help people deal with failure. That's right. This is a big part of the Christian walk. You know, we are free from the sin nature, we understand we're a new creation in Christ. We still struggle with the flesh. That's right. There's still temptation to be faced. There is there is sin to slay in our lives. And we've got to be understanding and help people strive for holiness and, and help them understand the, the struggling with temptation, not just like, oh, you messed up. Well, right. you're... You, that's it. You're done. Right. No, no. It's walking through that process, helping them to overcome that and, and get back up. You know, a righteous man falls seven times and gets back up. Why? Because he has Christ, right? right? And so that, that that's another aspect, this four, fourth kind of component to this discipleship process is the spiritual goals. Right. You got to, if you don't have goals, if you're not trying to achieve something, then there's nothing to be achieved. Yeah. I think when Jesus sent the disciples out and they came back, he definitely was, was giving them goals, reasonable, like real measurable goals. Like I want you to go do this, proclaim the gospel. And here's the steps by which you're going to do that. That's right. And then they came back and they, they talked about it. They debriefed about it. And so I really think that a lot of times when we're discipling, we're just kind of like, oh yeah, uh, just be, be like Christ. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. like, whoa, wait, what does that mean? Right. You know, it's no, we need to set goals mm -hmm. and have attainable, measurable things. It's like, okay, I need, I want you to read a chapter of the book of John every day this right. week, you know, something like that. Well, I think another aspect is just knowing your, your spiritual kind of weaknesses mm, or good. even your sins, your, your specific sins. And one of the things I like to do when I'm discipling somebody is finding out where they're weak mm -hmm. and then saying, okay, well, how do we build this up? Yes. Well, it's the word of God. 
I'm not just going, I do want you reading books of the Bible. I want you to have in a Bible study plan, but I also want you to look up specific verses pertaining to what you are weak in. We got to, we got to let God deal with that. That's good. And so those, those are just some specific steps we can take. Those are goals, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I know that because I've had to do that in my own life right. and I know it works. God works on me when I let his word speak to my specific issues. Yeah. I think it's good to set goals. You know, I do think there are some barriers or you could say excuses or frustrations <laughs> to discipleship. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of those things? What are some things you've seen as people that you've discipled? Um, what are some barriers or distractions? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll be honest. The the biggest one is just just uh, giving up. It's mm-hmm. too. It's hard. Um, and um, and so just this idea. I, I mean, distraction is a real thing. Um, I've I've seen that. But what I really have found is people are. are The, the apathy sets in, mm. the difficulty of following Jesus sets in, and, uh, and, and then it becomes something that they just don't want to do anymore. And sometimes that can be, if we're, if we're not being careful, uh, and even if you're trying to disciple people, there's a growth in being a discipler, right? right. So I know I've had to grow in that. Um, but there's been times where what has happened is I've found people will come into a discipleship process and will walk through it, and then they will find themselves not actually even loving Christ. Yeah, like it actually find it actually shows where they're really at, and it's through this just giving up and apathy for the gospel. They don't even care. Yeah, you know, I've always been told, you know, you got to press into those that are pressing into you, you know? And so if you, if you're trying to disciple somebody, you know, say somebody gets saved mm-hmm. and, or, or maybe they're not saved, maybe there's never been discipled. Right. And you're like, man, God has kind of spoken to me and, and I'd love to help you grow in your faith. I'm like, great, let's do it. And you start meeting with them and then they just, they're not doing anything you, you're asking. Right. They're not reading their Bible. They're this. It's like, I got to move on because yeah. they're not able to, they're not at that point in their stage and right. their walk ready to commit to that. And it doesn't mean that you just like, you know, they're doomed, you know, like right, they're going, right. it's, it's uh that, that's a part of the patience thing. Cause what might happen is they might come back to you later on and be like, Hey, I really missed this. I want this. And it's like, okay, but I need you to really do it. And then you might see them actually come through on it. So, so it could be just where they're at. Yes. Um, Once again, there's a different process of how Mm -hmm. people get there. Mm -hmm. I also think that sometimes we as, we as disciplers can get really satisfied with, with substandard Mm -hmm. walk, you know, or, or maybe like we're satisfied. We've, we've led someone to Christ. We've discipled them and it's like, okay, done. I'm done. You know, I'm going to take a break. And really our mission is not like, over our mission, right. our mission continues on, and there should be a level of dissatisfaction until the whole world comes to Christ. So the whole world is yeah. discipled. Yeah. You know, I have always tried to say every year, I want to have someone that I'm able to disciple at least, at least at minimum, one person that I'm able to meet with on a regular basis and help them grow in their faith. Sometimes it's been a, a married couple that I've met with in right. in extended kind of counseling. Sometimes it's been one person, uh, but but God has uh, ever since I made that commitment a few years ago. I, I've not really had to seek people out. Right. God has brought people into my life. That's right. And so if you will commit to that and pray about it, God will reveal people for you to disciple in your life. Well, and so this brings us to, you know, kind of how to do this, right? And that's a lot of this supervision, like how? So so we know that there are barriers and we got to watch out for these things, okay? But once you've 
once you've gotten the people, you know these kind of key elements, you know, of discipleship, key factors. What what do you do? How does this take place? Well, um, one of the big things is just making sure that you're sharing your life together. Um, your life cannot be. This is not just a very sterilized, um, you know, teaching thing. It is teaching, but. There's more to it than that, and you've got to really be sharing your life. That's why this has to be real for you first, right? But the, there's a good method. This is really more of a Bible study method, so maybe you you know that Bible Bible reading is very important. Well, you might have a different way of thinking about this than I do. Okay. Tell me about it. Okay, okay. yeah. No, right. I'm, in, I'm in, Okay. So so one, so one of the things is, is you and I, commonly, when we disciple somebody, we meet once a week with them. Right. Right? We pick That's a time. generally it, yeah. We generally meet once a week. We different times, whenever they can meet, it's in the morning. Sometimes we meet them at a restaurant. Sometimes we meet at church, mm-hmm, wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've used the SOAP method. Now, yes. I don't know. Okay. What, yeah. I'm intrigued. Okay. Yes. Right. Okay. So it's S-O-A-P. Uh-huh. These are the things you talk about when you're discipling. You, 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 you've given them some sort of scripture to read. So okay. they're, they're reading scripture. You mm-hmm. discuss that. Uh, o is for outreach. You're pushing them to reach out to someone in their life that they're already, even as being discipled, they're they're looking for people they can share the gospel with they can influence. Yeah. A is accountability. Yeah, Someone, this is different. <laughs> uh, you know, what are they struggling with? What do they need accountability That's in their good. life? And then P is prayer. So That's scripture, good. outreach, accountability, prayer. It's just a really simple method to give your discipleship time like not just, you know, it's like it can end up being just this free flowing discussion, which is okay sometimes, but it doesn't push us into like real discipleship. That's really good. I'm I'm so glad. Yeah, because I was looking at honestly. I I'll should have spelled honest. that out in the notes. Yeah, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Because I'm used to the so Bible study method, right? The scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And um and so I mean really these things go together. So you can do the soap Bible study method and the soap discipleship method, where you are. Wait, let me. Okay, I'm gonna try. So it's it's scripture. Talk about it. You then uh, outreach, right? And then you said, hold on. Uh, no, what did you say? Accountability. Accountability, yes. So scripture, outreach, accountability, and prayer. That's right. Yeah, man, if you do those four things in your uh, discipleship meetings, that is that is key. I, that is huge right there. So those are really good. They're We're some- super simple. You know, some of the resources I've used, uh, I used Growing Up by Robbie Gallaty, mm-hmm. which is another great resource to disciple great, somebody. Yeah, get read Robbie Gallaty. Currently, yeah. I'm using The Walk by Stephen Smallwood, Smallman, and I like that because it has a little bit more theology in it. Mm. And so if somebody uh, is able to, like, especially like an adult, you know, they're able to think through these things. Yeah. Um, I really like that because he breaks down uh, what faith is and, and what, you know, what our salvation is and some of these other things. So I'm using, I currently using the walk That's good. Uh, in discipleship. Some of the things I, I like uh, older we'll authors. Link, we'll link uh, both of these in our... We'll link all these books we yeah. mentioned in the notes. Um, one that I use a lot with, uh, especially younger men, anywhere from you know high school through college, well, mm-hmm. up into their 30s, is Thoughts for Young Men by mm-hmm. J.C. Ryle. Yeah, I love Ryle. And um, I've had so many guys that I've given that book to come back and say, this is my favorite book. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's been helpful for me. I, I use that I just love him as an author. I want I like He's to read so all good. his stuff. Yeah. yeah. He's, he, he can be uh, very weighty. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but it's good. Thoughts for Young Men is a really small book, though. Yeah. So, so we've talked about like... Th- we're thinking maybe like a one-on-one discipleship relationship, but I've also been a part of like a D group, which right. a D group just means discipleship group. Mm-hmm. And it can be anywhere from, from two, three, four, up to five people. Yeah. I don't like it to be any bigger. Yeah. Really three people is, is my ideal. 
Well, and this is kind of following Jesus's, you know, method of his, he's got his 12, right? And so we see that in, in our church, we kind of have the understanding of like life groups, but then D group would be like Jesus with the three. And we see, you know, regularly Jesus taking Peter, James, and John and showing, I mean, they were the ones who saw him transfigured. They, they saw other extra things where he's really pouring into them um, there, uh, especially. So D groups are super important. I've been a part of several of them. Very helpful. Yeah. And they talk a lot about that. That's what the growing up by Robbie Gallaudet yeah. is. That comes from his original book, Rediscovering Discipleship. Mm. And so um, that's another great book if you want to think about discipleship as a as a whole there. So let's talk about some good principles for discipleship. So what would be something that would be like just a really like we have to make sure this is a part of discipleship? So first things first, we've said this already, but I'm just going to say it now. Make scripture key. Mm. If you're not in the Bible, then you're not, you, you're making a disciple of you and not of Christ. That's right. So be in the Bible. It's got to be about the word. That's, That's right. the biggest thing. Also, just real practical, find a good time and place to meet. Okay. How often are you going to meet? I love once a week. Um, you know, sometimes though, if it doesn't work out every other week is fine as well too. You know, it's, I mean, there's no magic time and place. It's right. what works for you and the mm-hmm. person or people you're discipling. Yep. Something I like to say regular, yes. whatever that looks set, like for yeah. you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Set a regular time. Don't like, yeah. well, maybe we'll meet Tuesday right, the right, next right. week. Maybe we'll meet Thursday. Like have a set appointment yes. every week. Yes. That's absolutely right. Another thing that's, I, I think it's very important. I know in the, in generations in the past, I don't know that this is very important, but it is increasingly more so nowadays is that men should disciple men and women should disciple women. That's not just a contemporary thing though. That is biblical. We see that in especially like Titus, uh, I think it's chapter two where, you know, older men are, are discipling younger men and older women are discipling younger women. This is biblical. Well, we, we believe biblically that the, the genders are different in right. many ways in many respects, although our culture would say different. Right. Um, but we think that, you know, men, Men have struggles and things that other men can help keep them accountable with. And that's important. And and the same thing for women. That's right. And so if we have mixed discipleship groups, like you could have a mixed Bible study. That's no problem. Oh, yeah, that's different. But when you're talking about the intimate parts of your life, your accountability, your thoughts, I mean, all those things, we need to share these with with the same gender, I believe. I, I fully agree with that. And I think there's also just the huge temptation to... To mess things up. Yes. If you're a married, especially if you're a married person. I mean, I would just say like, I remember being in college and everybody was single and, you know, like there was this idea of like, well, I love the Bible. She loves the Bible. Of course we can, you know, uh, yeah. Okay. But really what you're talking like about a, is dating. Yeah. Here, it's you a, know, that's you're, different. You're dating um, with a Bible study. That's right. That's right. I went to Bible college. That's what we did. And uh, it wasn't, it didn't really go well. Was that so. a pickup line? Hey baby, let's study the Bible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not, yeah, let's, yeah. That's another conversation for for sure. But um, so all this really comes down to is you're just being wise and you're following biblical wisdom That's right. here. Uh, it just makes sense. That's um, right. So yeah, yeah. Have a set goal in mind. You know, listen, uh, these relationships um, don't need to keep going perpetually. Right. Some people depending, and I don't ever put a hard, you know, time on these things, but anywhere from six months to a year. Right. And then uh, you like, say you're in a D group. I would make that no longer than a year. Yeah. Then if you need to go again with and invite someone back into your D group, mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really like to challenge people I'm discipling and people that are, that I'm in a D group with 
Go get your own, own group. Go find someone else to disciple now. Well, I think we're going to talk about that a little bit next week, this kind of uh, reduplication, right? And so... Uh, Reproduction, yeah. That's the mm-hmm. word. Yeah, I knew it was something Multiplication, with a yeah, whatever. Anything ends with a shun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, that's super important. Um, you, you want to eventually launch them to make disciples. Uh, and so you're just, you're just doing that, right? Right. So... Yeah. And some people may say, man, I don't feel very confident to be... I, I'm not a Bible teacher... You know, I just, I don't feel like I have the knowledge. Let me give you a little trick and a little key here. Um, anyone, it, number one, Christians are supposed to make disciples. Right. And anyone can make disciples. Here's the method. Here's the secret. You ready? You ready, ready for the secret I'm ready. sauce? I don't know. I don't, I'm ready for it. Use, Maybe. use the one day ahead method. Mm. Be one day ahead of your dis- person you're discipling. Mm, that's that good. takes the pressure off. That's good. So it's not like you have to be some scholar of right. Bible knowledge. But listen, when you're going to read something and you're to discuss scripture, y- you study it beforehand. Yep. You know it. It's don't have to be a, a seminary trained right. person, no. but you you're studying before you meet with them and you know what they're going to know. Or if they ask you a question, it's okay to say, listen, I don't know know the answer. Hey, why don't we look into that and see what we can discover and learn together? Absolutely. So take the pressure off and know that Jesus is not expecting you to be a scholar, scholar, but he's just, he's, he's really wanting you to, to pour your life into somebody else to help them to grow closer to the Lord. And I always say, if you're reading the Bible regularly, you're always going to have something to say. Yes. You're always going to have something to say because God's been speaking to you. So so that's great. Now let's tie this up yeah. with some family application. How does this work in family discipleship? Right? Yeah, before, I, before we get too far into this, I do want to... Um, point out a resource, which Hmm. is The Disciple-Making Parent by Chap Bettis. This book is amazing. Hmm. He talks about so many of the things that we need to hear about how to evangelize, how to disciple, uh, all the things. So I'm going to link his book in the comments. Parents, I would encourage you to pick this book up because it will help you think about making disciples. So some of the key things we're going to talk about are actually from that book. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, it, what does it look like in their younger years? It's for, focused on learning, and in their older years, it, it starts turning into like helping them really grow in their own understanding of their own faith. So you're just teaching them the basics first, and then you're helping them really grasp it themselves. You know? Yeah. If you continue to just like have this like mindset where you're just teaching, 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 and they don't get to like really express their faith or they yeah. don't become convinced that it's their own faith. It's not going to stick with them. That's right. I would even say this. I was, I was listening to uh, Dr. Moeller, uh, Al Moeller's podcast this morning, and he was talking about a lot of the stuff going on in the culture today. And he ended his podcast with this and it really touched me. He said he was talking about how his parents read books to him and he said, there were books, and I'm thinking, this is Dr. Moeller, okay, the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he says, my parents had me in their lap, and we read books where I saw pictures, and I pointed out the lamb, and I pointed out the, the cow, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, that's what I'm doing with my kid mm-hmm. right now, and he's like, that instilled in me things that just are beyond imagination. They're so important. And so that's the beginning, right? And uh, then he was able to read books to his siblings and then he read books to his children. And, you know, so you see how this goes. So it starts really small and really simple ways. Um, yeah. So it means, it means they're putting their faith into practice. And really, Brian, we've got to come to the idea as parents that we are launching our children into the world to stand on their own. That's right. What 
what's, you know, I've got to prepare them to go out into the world and make a difference and, and change and be an, be an influence to those people around that they're going to come in contact with. So I have to think I get a limited amount of time. What am I pouring into them? I need to pour into them God's word and those types of things so that they can go out and make a difference for the Lord. This really pushes in on what our children mean to us. You know, are our children, our idols, right? Like, are we raising our kids so that they would please us and be what we want them to be? Or are we raising our kids to know and love God and to experience the fullness of life? Um, you know, are our kids for our benefit or are our kids for the glory of God and their own fulfillment of life in Christ? Yes. And that's what we need to be doing. Yeah. You know, we've said this before, parents. We've got to be an example if we want our kids to be disciples We've got to be growing in our faith, and they will they will understand. We've also got to help them understand that we are on a mission. That all believers, listen. If you want, if you want to give them a purpose in life, make sure they understand the Great Commission, and that they have a part in that. That's absolutely right. You've got to be helping them understand how important this is, but also just remembering again the Word of God. We're going to keep coming back to this, right? Um, you know, we keep the, the we keep saying this, but listen, I, I tell you, people want the deep truth. They're like, oh, I just want deep. I want deep. Listen, if you, you can't handle the deep, you until can't you handle master, the deep <laughs> until you master the basics. It's so true. Well, so if you're not in your Word every day, don't come at me with right. I want the deep truth. Right. The deep truth is there it's if the you get okay, into the Word. Okay, that's uh, so good. No, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Did I cut you off? No. Okay, so it's like teaching your kid to swim, right? You teach your kid to swim in the pool so that they can swim in the deep end. Where's the deep end? In the pool. Right. It's in the same place, right? And so if you're not in the basics, then you're not going to get deeper in the knowledge of the Word of God. This is just Can you just tell we're passionate about this? Yeah, we love this stuff. Um, and so th- this and so parent, we're not mad. So please know, we're not harping on you. We're not trying to condemn you. We're trying to help you see you can do this yes. because all you've got to do is make the word of God a priority in the small ways and as they grow as you grow, it gets deeper. Yeah. You just got to stick to yeah, it. Yeah, so so you make sure you're in the word and yeah. then help your family to get into the word. Maybe it's family devotions that you do. You know, as they get older, encourage them to have their own devotions devotional time. Yes. You know, get together, have family prayer time. Make sure it's happening too. Yes. That's part of the supervision. You are ensuring that they don't have their phone. They don't have these distracting things. So it becomes a habit. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's it. It's just prioritizing the things of God over the things of the world. Brian, I cannot tell you how frustrating it is when uh, families will come and say, my kid has no interest in church. They don't, you know, I feel like they're falling away from the Lord. It's because the families have prioritized the world, everything else in life besides the faith. Right. So in your family, look at your family, look at how you guys do things, where you're spending your time and think, Am I prioritizing the things of God in my family's right. life? Is it possible that you've been doing everything right and then your kid just walks away? Of course. Of course that's possible. But that is not usual. And so just just know 
It's just the basics. You don't have to, it's not rocket science. It's just trusting in Jesus, looking to the, to the word and, and putting that into practice and really supervising, making sure your kids see it in you and are walking in that themselves. Yeah. So remember yeah. we're going for the heart. It's not just this legal. And I'm telling you, and we've talked about this, but I'm pretty passionate when I see parents who are legalistically forcing their kids to follow Jesus. I guarantee you, your kid's going to rebel. I guarantee you. But I also see parents who aren't even engaging the heart. I see that. And it's like, well, I guarantee they're going to walk away too. Um, unless yeah, the Holy it, Spirit intervenes. It's different. It's a different way to think about how to parent. It's not about behavior. It's based in grace that you're saying, how can I be used of the Lord to to, to mold and shape and go after the heart and really guide my yeah. kids? It's, you know, there are so many decisions that they have to make and think about. So, you know, there are things you have to tell them do this, don't course, do this. It's like, don't stick a fork in the electrical socket. Right. You know, we have to tell them not to do that. Yes. There are other things that like, okay, let's help them build practical, uh, you know, ways to think about like, how, is, am I picking the right friends? Mm -hmm. are, are these friends encouraging me to the things of God? What about media? What yeah. about the choices I'm making there? Right. You know, That's right. there are things we're guiding them in and we don't just say, do this. Don't do this. Right. We help them to think biblically, and that is going to get to the heart of it, not just behavior. That's exactly right. It's not about only what they do. It's about why they're doing it, their heart behind what they're doing. Are they trying? I mean, that's one of the things. If your kid's trying their best, like you should be really happy with that and not just upset if they're not accomplishing what you want them to do. And so that's really important. We got to remember that. And there's a balance there that takes wisdom, that takes you just trusting in the Lord and lots of prayer. And I think um, the biggest thing is as parents, we are our first and primary people we are discipling is our children. Amen. Yes. And so we've, we, this does not happen accidentally. There's no such thing. Oh, well, maybe there is in my, in my years of experience, I don't think discipleship happens accidentally. Yeah. I mean, and that goes back to, you know, people, circumstances, spiritual disciplines, you know, all of those things, the circumstances God uses to eventually force you back into discipleship. Right. You know, all of this ends up pushing you back into the way that God has designed this to happen. But there's an intentionality that parents, we can help in this process by, by doing these things That's right. and we can help to shape and disciple our children to, in a way that will bring honor and glory to the and Lord. And I'll tell you, my parents did this and they, they didn't have, you know, podcasts like this podcast didn't exist. They didn't have that stuff to tell them, here's how you disciple your kids. And so what, what that means is while we hope that this is a hopeful, a helpful podcast, you're hearing great things. Um, what that really means is all you got to do is stick to God and, mm -hmm. and just do what the Bible has said. And so if you're in the word and you're really doing your best to live it out, you're going to, you're going to find a lot of success in this. Yeah. So don't worry. Don't make it more complicated than it is. Yeah. Discipleship is important for all believers. If you're sitting there and you're saying, man, I've, ne I've never been discipled before. I've never been intentionally discipled. Uh, find someone that yeah. can help you and, and find someone that can, that can help you walk in that way. Maybe. Maybe, maybe you've just been accidentally discipled. I know, right. I know I said this doesn't exist and it's not, there's not accidental, but maybe you've just kind of grown up in Bible studies in the church and, and you've gotten some knowledge and you've kind of figured it out as you've gone along. Well, begin to disciple somebody else. That's right. You will grow in your faith. Every time I disciple somebody, my faith grows too. That's right. And so yeah, we, absolutely. 
we must be continuing in discipleship. Really, it's like we talked about. This is part of the process of sanctification. Mm -hmm. And we don't ever stop growing. We don't ever stop growing. And so parents, you know, I want to encourage you that it's really not the moment to moment. I, I know we get so caught up in this moment or that moment or this action or that action, but we need to be driving our children to the Lord on a daily basis right. overall. And I just trust that God will help them and, and help, help all of that to come together and, and do what, do what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Cause we're not perfect. We're going to mess up. We're going to fail. I mean, in any type of discipleship process, I mean, I've messed up for sure. Um, and that's, that's, you know, we want to try our best not to fail. Um, but when it happens, we need to let go. And trust that Christ has paid for that, and the Holy Spirit is more powerful than our failure. That's right. And so if the Holy Spirit is in this believer that you are trying to pour yourself into, um, then you need to trust that person to the Holy Spirit. Uh, you're not their Savior. Uh, they're not your disciple. They're Christ's disciple. That's right. And so uh, that's all we're doing. And we can trust God with lots of hope for whatever He's going to do in our lives and other people's lives as we grow together. That's really important. So let's make disciples. Amen. We can do this. We're, let's do it. We're commissioned, and God will help us to do this. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll, we'll see, see you, you next time. time. Lettuce and the cheese and the condiments and then the meat, the burger meat is that one part. And then like, yeah, family discipleship is like, like the pickles and that's like the egg on the Royal burger. Oh, we're having some burgers for lunch. today. you are so right. We're going to get burgers for lunch today. Amen. That is so true. It is so true, Brian. <laughs> this is the best analogy I've ever heard. It speaks to me <laughs> on, a, on a soul level. It's so spiritual. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyways, I, I liked it a lot. Um, thank you for doing I that. I make a mountain out of a molehill, really.